thought the job was done. They thought it was all behind them. But sometimes, the past doesn't stay where it belongs. Now, Brad and Andrew must fight to protect all that they've built. The stakes have never been higher. And the beer has never been colder. This year, the epic continues. This is the Brew and View Podcast. I assume that's how the crash test dummies would start a podcast. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly how they would. How did that song get so popular? Drugs, I guess. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I remember I was, I mean, I had, it had to have been 10th, 11th grade or something when that song came out and like chicks just loved it. <laughs> they loved it so much. Uh, well, can't say that I didn't like it either, because I probably listened to it a couple times. Yeah, but, <clears throat> but yeah, it was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, I had the I had the advantage of hindsight. <laughs> yes, yes, good for Once good for you. There was this girl. Uh, but anyways, yeah, enough of that about that. Uh, you're listening to the Brewview podcast. The critics say that chicks are loving. I assume. <laughs> I don't know. Back ten. <laughs> Girls in tenth grade love us. Yes, hell yeah, we love you back, just not that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, we we want to nurture you as humans. Mm-hmm. We'll wait. We, yeah, we're we're not that show. No. Uh, yes, uh, but you are, Mister. I am Brad. Yeah, yeah. Making and me you are? Andrew. Yes, indeed, Andrew. Hmm. 
as can be. Yes. All I know how to be is me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're brewing, we're viewing. Uh, let's get into it. Yep. What you drinking tonight? Um, actually, we went out. I got home from work, and we were trying to figure out what we we're going to eat. And I said, "Hey, let's go out to the to the bar or to the I'm nice sorry, the liquid the diet." Beer. Yes. Uh, let's go to the, what I call the bar, but it's the restaurant at the golf course nearest us. It's the closest restaurant to us. And uh, we go there pretty often because there's not a whole lot of options without driving half an hour or so. <clears throat> but I decided, and they always have a good selection. I've talked about this before. It's a uh, ranging golf course. but And that's mm-hmm. where I took uh, Matt whenever he got into town. For the yeah. Time, so. Um but uh, I, they had something called Fool's Gold from Rusty Rail, which is a, a, a local, semi-local uh, a brewery. Uh, to me, it's up near our cabin. So we've gone there a couple times. They have a really good IPA. And uh, this Fool's Gold was sitting at like 8% on the board. Didn't say what it was. I was like, all right, well, I'll try it out. They brought it out, and it looked amazing. Um, the picture on the uh, on tap that I put on, uh, just super cloudy, just, you know, look like super good IPA. And imagine my disappointment when it, it turned out to be an Imperial peanut butter Hefeweizen. What? What a yes. weird. And that's, that's why I think it's called Fool's Gold. Cause it, it jukes me. Like I had no idea what it was until I like, I had to, like I took a sip and I was like, "What?" And I then I looked it up on Untapped and I was like, "What the hell is this?" Now I gave it a three. I wish I would really like to change it. I've because, been had. I mean, that was two, two and a half hours ago. We went out. I can still taste it. Hmm. It's like sitting on my tongue. Uh, this this peanut butter hefeweizen and it's like. It has, yeah, it has the peanut butter flavor, and it's, um, no, did I lose you? No, I'm here. Okay. Um, it, right, I mean, it has that flavor, but it's like a, it is a novelty, novelty beer. Like, mm-hmm. like I mean, so the you've never heard degree. of anything like that, right? Yeah, no, absolutely not. I mean, it's, it's, it's stupid the way it's, like, why would you do that to Hefeweizen? That yeah, <laughs> that is a strange. I understand like peanut butter, like you know stout. Yeah, stout porter. Yes, darker beers like it. It lends itself pretty nicely to that, and I can think of at least one. There's a peanut butter milk porter down here that I think I've actually had on the show before. Uh, really good, amazing dessert beer, definitely. Um, but. Never would I think, I, I don't know, peanut butter wheat beer or like yeah peanut butter. It, it was it was odd, and it like the taste like, and I had like a a Pittsburgh ham club with mm-hmm. it, and some nice fries. So I, it was a ro- not a robust meal, but it was a decent sized meal, and that's the only thing I can still taste. It. I've had a beer since, and I've been drinking water, mm. and I can't get it out of my mouth. So. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I actually probably, in, in hindsight, I was kind of impressed by the, the initial taste, but the more yeah. it's sitting with me, I'm I would be dropping that down. Really? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
shit. That that is a crazy. Um, that is like the uh, the Jurassic Park. Like you you became so concerned if you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. If, if, yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this is this is not the hybrid you're looking for. No. So weird. Um, how's it doing on Untapped? Like our. Are other people uh, really digging it, or? I mean, it's um. Here, let me look here. Right now, it is sitting at a three point six three, which is a pretty good rating with eight thousand reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's. I mean, it's well above average. It's a point above average. So, you know, if anything's at, at a four or above, yeah. As a rule, that's a really good beer. This is at three six, so. Yeah, it's I don't know. Man. It's banana flavors give way to a peanut butter aroma and a subtle peanut butter flavor. There's nothing subtle about this peanut butter flavor. Yeah, that's definitely just what they were going for. It sounds like. Yes. <clears throat> it's it's like it. Yeah, it's like licking the underside of the you know Reese's peanut butter cup mm-hmm. mascot at Hershey Park's ball sack. Mm-hmm. It that's the yeah. There's nothing subtle about it. Yes, yeah. it's, it's gratuitous, if anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's someone. Uh, <laughs> I like this. Oh my, Brad N. Not to be confused with uh, Mr. Brad. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh my. Dot dot. It's good. Period. Eight <laughs> percent. Yeah. They gave it a four um. seven five. So <laughs> the problem with. Um, the the problem with the untapped rating uh is sometimes i know at least for me the more i drink as i'm sampling stuff i just am you know get into that more euphoric mood and i'm just like this is great this mm-hmm. is great this is great so if you know i'm trying like 20 things and like my palate is wrecked and all, then right. all of a sudden i taste something that's like eight percent with peanut butter but it looks like a lager I'm like whoa yeah. this is great so i mean yeah i i i absolutely get that like you go to those beer testing like, oh yeah oh, this is it's different you know what i mean yeah that's that's a big thing too yeah Ooh, like, this hey. one stood out yes standing out sometime isn't a good thing get in line motherfucker <laughs> take it easy bukowski Uh, get in line well that's a bummer um but i don't know i guess uh you've been warned if you're listening yes what do you have what what you having it looks good based on what you rated it's really good um i think this might be the last one for a little bit from my uh little journey into the uh nola limited releases uh, it's a India Pale Ale, also known as an IPA, called No Strings Attached, and it is heavy on the Nelson Salvine, uh, which I am not familiar with, but Citra and Idaho 7, I recognize those as hops, um, and I thought this was funny. It's called No Strings Attached, and uh, their their little tag is, brand loyalty is as dead as Craigslist classifieds. If you're looking huh. for a beer with no commitments, come give it a try. No strings attached. Nice. Yeah. And um, I don't know why they called it no strings attached, but I think 
either I'm projecting or I have a theory that's in the in the ballpark. Um, it is a big IPA, uh, very hoppy. If you pour it out, it looks like a glass of orange juice. Uh, you know, I'm, how many times can I repeat myself? They might be making the same beer over and over again. Right, right. Um, but this one is big on flavor. But unlike the um, Fool's three. Gold that you're drinking, oh. it finishes so clean. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm thinking maybe that's what a lot of IPAs, like especially ones that are really hop forward, stick right. with your palate. This one is no strings attached. There you go. I like that. Yeah. So, um, or what about like what about the theory that like, hey, this isn't a thing we're always going to do, so mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Yeah, because this know. is the last the last release they've had, and it's been think over six weeks it's been a while since they released this beer and Mm -hmm. they were doing like every other week they're having a limited run so that could be Hmm. interesting yeah that sounds really good it's yeah it's great um and it is juicy uh it it's got um all those like new england characteristics that you look for hazy juicy um citrusy uh but it just you you can tell the hops are there um but just as soon uh they're gone like you can have a lighter beer after this right like if it's a hot summer day and you don't want to be slamming ipas all day you can take this down and then move well yeah i mean look i don't you know i i wasn't gonna say it but i think we were all thinking it we were all thinking it (laughs) Uh, but you know, you could easily, I'm just thinking because I know I have a couple of ghosts in the fridge, excuse me, that are, uh, very light. I'd still be able to taste and enjoy those after this. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, um I'm jealous, super yeah. jelly, but it's I am drinking a perpetual right now. So nice. I'm all good. Tricks. Um, this is the highest I've I, – I give it a 4.5. I think it's a really well-made beer on top of being right in my sweet spot for flavors I enjoy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I this was – the last two weeks, last week and then this week, were really – they were the ones that – they're similar, but they kind of broke away from the pack of the other ones just kept kind of tasting the same. So, okay. yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with it. And because it's so um, washes away, just so clean, I uh, finished it much quicker than anticipated. So, Bu- cool. buckle up! I'm going to tell you people what I think. Yeah, maybe I don't. Know. Because you're so reserved, mm-hmm. naturally. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you and I are both very much, very much alike in that regard. I'm much more yeah. abrasive, but um, <laughs> we're very much alike where where people who know us probably don't think we're shy. Um, and you and I have been friends for and talking so much for so long now that it's, uh, you know, we, we have a rhythm and a rapport. Yes. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, mean, I can be pretty I can be I mean, pretty I reserved. <laughs> 
in uh, in social situations, but yes. I'm quite comfortable at this point. Well, that's one of the things. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, based on our our, our last episode on uh, uh, Span of Void, mm-hmm. Jim had said too that you know I didn't know you even talked <laughs> about me. So yes, and look at me now. Yeah. So. Um, well, I was just looking, kind of scrolling through, uh, Mr. Orange Peel had a, uh, a brew dog, uh, or it's called Elvis Juice from Brew Dog Brewing in Scotland. What's it and a ripoff kind of, of? What's that? What's it a ripoff of? Brewdog. Like, I'm missing it. Because Elvis is just a ripoff of Black Oh, Blues. yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's, uh, yes. Uh, I hate Elvis. Anyways. <laughs> so does Shakti. <laughs> well, um, I mean, not only did the guy rip black people off, but he was anti-drugs. I know, whilst like being whilst, one of the yeah, whilst drug being guys. a huge addict. <laughs> yes, and the reason he died, because he was so constipated from all the shit he was doing. Yeah, but we digress. But one of the cool things I saw, uh, what's cool with Untapped is you can see that your friends what they're drinking, and Hell he's, yeah. so he's drinking this, and uh, it says, "Oh, your one of your other friends, Brennan." also had it so nice both, that's kind of cool both they, euro guys yes and they both liked it so it's kind of cool um to see that happening so shout out to both that, those fellas nice and uh shout out to everybody else that's following us on tap and listening in uh, it's good to hear from you when we hear from you yeah it's uh it's nice it is uh talk had a little text conversation with with uh with uh, Master Zed the other yeah. day, which was fun. Yeah. Um, We're all questing after that 120. Yes. Oh, and we forgot to talk about uh, 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 Fredo sent mm-hmm. us an email. Yes, he we, did. We did talk about that last week, didn't we? I don't think so. I think we only talked about the uh, Quiet Place review from... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, because he, uh, he, uh, Fredo sent... Us uh, a little bit of heads up on vacation movies, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he suggested uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, who we both love, Cabin oh. Fever, also good. Uh, yes, um, that thing you do, a movie I have not seen yet. I don't think uh, is that the Tom Hanks movie. I think so. I don't think I've seen that either. Or I yeah. know I haven't seen. I know I haven't seen that, um, but I don't think. Uh, I don't know if that's what I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah. Um, Stand by me, which nice. makes sense. Summer vacation. Movie. Yes. Yeah. And days of confused as well. So. Summer, uh, summer, summer time. There you go. I like it. <laughs> and the funny thing, I liked Annihilation. It wasn't great, but it was different. I yeah. like the stim that it stimulates conversation, provokes. Uh, uh, thought without needing to be analyzed to death, which we did. Which, well, I mean, I know. <laughs> that's what we're here I, for. That's what we do. <laughs> we just go and go. And anyways, um, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It's it is uh, it's a thought provoking conversation starter. Um, I wasn't crazy about it, but we still talked about it at length. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fun talking about movies and stuff. It is. Uh, anything more on beer? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm I'm all good on the beer front. How about you? 
Uh, yeah, the same way. I've been I haven't really been searching anything out. I've just been kind of picking one beer a week just to see, you know, for the podcast. And other mm-hmm. than that, I'm just kind of sticking to my old reliable. Nothing wrong with um, that. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, it's good beer drinking weather. Today was a good day. Today was a nice day. Nice. Nice. But, it's raining here uh, right now. But yeah, no let's get into movies. Yes, let us. All right, uh, where would you like to start? Uh, did you end up watching Barfly? I did. Okay, great. Uh, let's talk about that first. I think okay. We could talk more about uh, I, Tonya. Yeah, I, Tonya, at, at the very least, is an interesting movie. Um, yeah. But, yes, we will get into that. Uh, Barfly. All right. Yes, so um, Barfly from 1987 uh, feels like a 1987 movie, mm-hmm. um, starring Mickey Rourke and uh, and Faye Dunaway, directed by uh, Barbette Schroeder. How do you spell it? Barbet? Perhaps. Barbet Schroeder. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, written by, well, the, the written by is the main part of this, is uh, yeah. uh, Charles Bukowski. Yeah. And uh, uh, so ba- basically this is, a, what, you, what would you call it, an unofficial it's um, a biography or uh, I would call it a love letter to yourself. Yes. This is uh, his way of showing why he was the way he was. Um, and have you, have you ever seen the, uh, I think Dave Chappelle did this with, uh, cause John Q was, uh, I think it was directed by John Q. So Dave Chappelle did Dave Chappelle by Dave Chappelle. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. I, I did not. Maybe it wasn't. Um, I think it was. I thought it was something with John Q. But anyways, Dave Chappelle took took a uh, movie to task for the. It was written by the subject, and and yeah. so he did Dave Chappelle by Dave Chappelle, and yeah. uh, looking at it through this that context, this is funny. But other than that, I um, I didn't really. I don't know. I wasn't crazy about this movie. Yeah, it was a rough one. Um, I was trying to piece and parse and see what it was trying to say, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's hard because it, like, it's kind of like okay. So I guess one way, or I guess we should say who this guy is. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a he was like a kind of um, what would you say, uh, idiot savant or a not an idiot savant, more of a like um, tortured artist. I guess would be a better word to say, right? Uh, this guy, I mean, with the poems and stuff like yeah. that, he was a. Uh... He was he he was self sabotaging, and then he wondered why he couldn't get anything done. Right. That's, That's we're talking about the actual guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, Charles. I mean, this is him. I mean, his name yes. is like Henry this Charles like Bukowski. The life of his. Yeah. Life. So he <laughs> just instead of going by his pen name, he chose his real name. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I don't know. So. Okay, so this um, is a like, it's more than a day of life. It's a couple days in life, but if this is kind of showing him and who he, why he's drawn to this life, I guess you know, other than being an alcoholic. Um, yeah. But it, this is, I mean, the name kind of says it. It's a barfly. It's showing the people hanging around. It really just shows a bunch of sad sacks hanging yeah. out at the bar and the shit they get into. Yeah. And and why and what they do to get their next high or their next drink Mm -hmm. and um uh you know 
Uh, I, I'm with you too. I did. It's hard to say that I. I, I don't want to say I hated this movie, but I. There's no way that I liked it. No, you know I, what I, mean? I didn't hate it, but it's just so. I well, <laughs> here's the thing. I thought canon films were supposed to be unwatchable. <laughs> and and when I saw the canon group uh, logo come up while I was watching this, I thought maybe at least it would be kind of like laughably bad. But it's just right. It's it's this it toe not toes like it hits this weird note of both self-aggrandizing and utterly mediocre. Yes. Well, I did a little bit of research on this like um like Canon was in dire straits at this time and they mm-hmm. could only put out so much because of lawsuits and they could only put so much money or release so many movies or something mm-hmm. or other because they owed so much money. But uh, they had to get um, what's his name? Um, uh, shit. Um, uh, 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 was, was Frank Stallone uh, involved? Like, yes, I know that no, he was it, in the movie. He was, but... he was involved, but uh, oh, Francis Ford Coppola. Right. Okay. He, he, it, it took him, him and Mickey Rourke and a couple of other people to like really push the financing or push Canon to do this because they they were going to scrap it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's just what it's not in that. This movie isn't in that Canon wheelhouse. No, it's not the what is it? Superman fours or yeah, the like the stupid big dumb uh, yeah. you know Delta Force whatever yeah kind of movies. Um, but I mean, I thought it it tried to be sincere, but it yeah. didn't play as sincere. You know, the fate I I really liked Faye Dunaway in this, but she mm-hmm. was just a little bit off as far as not being believable. Yeah, weird weird complaint. Um, but it's just something that stuck out to me, and maybe that's uh in like if I have time to notice these things, I'm not necessarily enthralled in the plot. But like for such a like um, I guess drunk floozy, she sure had great teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was weird. I, there's a couple, couple scenes where like she flashes a smile and it's like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, she's playing rundown, but she's still fucking gorgeous. So yeah. okay, yeah. Um, and I guess that happens with movie stars perpetually. But yeah, um, Mickey you know, Rourke is very po- good at looking rough, though. So yes, well, Mickey Rourke looked rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I. Like there's points I loved him in this, and there's points I hated him. Like the affect he was doing, mm-hmm. I know he was he was trying to mimic, um, mimic uh, Bukowski. Buk- always, yeah, I, yeah. I, I always try to say put an R in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he was mimicking his affect, and uh, it was it was agitating a little bit whenever he would kind of sing song his way through a speech or a monologue. Mm-hmm. It was bothering. Um, but what I found most interesting or mo- what I liked the most, but like was most depressed by were the and what I think he was really trying to get through is the characters and people that live in these places that people don't talk about, like these bars. Of, you know, I've gone into I've gone in to, to a bar to get something to eat at lunchtime on a when I'm working. Right. Yeah. And you, there's people in there that are just there. They're. Planning. Oh, yeah. You know, not the you know, not the Ruby Tuesdays or, um, you know, Applebee's in Times Square. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, the 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 bar on the corner of a, an alley somewhere, you know, in a in a smaller town or you know, or even in a big town, but like in a you know, not in the hustle bustle part of it. Um, 
and you see these people and it's like and a lot of these people were the real people this there weren't a lot of actors in some some of these scenes you know mm -hmm. you could tell because it was disjointed and you could tell the people were kind of looking at the cameras there were yeah uh, yeah. yeah so bar um, flies. but yeah it was it's it was a it was a weird one. Uh, well, fr yeah. Well, Frank Stallone played Eddie, which you know he played a big role mm -hmm. in, in this. But uh, uh, I don't know. I, I'm I guess I'm glad I watched it. It just was. Uh, it's not an easy one to take down. Like it. Yeah, I don't know. It just it seemed so in love with itself, and I really um, full disclosure is I I can't stand Bukowski. Okay. Um, he is the uh, poet that Instagram models quote to sound less vapid. Um, mm -hmm. He's just he just is obnoxious to me, and that's how he played this entire movie. It's just like this like stupid soliloquies about like what does anyone have to do anything, man? Like yeah. oh, I'm so like. You can't sell me the American dream, man. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You're going to end yeah. up drunk in a, or dead in an alley. Yeah. I mean, it's it's wasted talent or it's, you know, whatever it is, it's it or the tortured artist. I don't know what it is or what they're trying to sell. I don't and think like, it's either. Well, I, I think but, that like, it's... Self-destruction and art aren't, like, separate. Like, right. I mean, we look at guys like, you know, Kirk Cobain or who, you know. Yeah thousand the oh. uh well courtney actually courtney love and uh billy corgan killed him yeah <laughs> that would be great <laughs> i want that movie made um uh canon film should do that yes. um uh but or you know you look at it <clears throat> you know chris cornell or um mm -hmm. uh lane staley or yeah you know just like all these people that are like i don't know are maybe and maybe I'm definitely not affected by this, but maybe genius had, you know, plays it or has a tool that, you know, that you have to. And I'm not saying that he is this, but maybe yeah. there's something to be said with that where, you know, there's too much going on in your mind. You have to get away yeah. or it, you know, you have to genius hit the dimmer switch. isn't happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that maybe you can be a genius and be depressed, or you can be a genius and be an idiot, as in, as in like you coaxed into doing something like heroin, or you're just very unhappy. Or yeah, well, um, I think I think more likely than not that it's that that way. Yeah, you know, like you're you're more aware of your situations, you're more aware of the world around you and how people actually are. Yeah. Or you don't feel that you belong, or or something like that. And I think maybe that might be a, as much as it's a gift, it can be a curse too. And uh, yeah. I'm not putting him in this. this no, I know. I, but I'm but I'm also saying that it was trying. He may be trying to say that he was in this movie. That this is what this movie is trying to say. No one understands me, man. I know. I did like I did like Faye Dunaway though. Yeah. Like she was good, but it was. It just had a weird. It felt like it was made in 1979 and not mm -hmm. 1987. Yeah, or 86, whatever it was. It it felt 10 years too. It, it just I don't know. You yeah. look at you look at a movie like Die Hard, which was a year after that, right? Right. It feels like it was made at two different times. Yeah, it still feels 
I mean, Die Hard still, I feel like, holds up. This is very much... Yeah, I guess it's not even a product of its time because it feels very removed from the 80s. And maybe, I mean, it it is about... I don't think it necessarily takes place in the 80s, so maybe that's... That yeah. was a that was an artistic decision, um, but yeah, I don't know. This is just the whole Bukowski thing. It just needs to stop because the guy's not special. Gotcha. <laughs> That's my opinion on it, anyways. Um, but yeah, this was just. I think it was going for self-aggrandizing, but it just came off as like, oh no, you're exactly the pretentious drunkard that i thought you were yeah well yeah i gave it a five yeah same Um, same it was not in any way shape or form unwatchable and that might have been to its detriment if it were laughably bad i might have enjoyed it more i don't know (laughs) i don't know um but turbo kit (laughs) yeah well I neither you or I enjoyed it as much as the rest of the internet apparently. So yeah, um, but I do think I, I do think you hit on a really good point there. I just I, I don't think Bukowski falls into it. You're the the hyper awareness that these people who are incredibly gifted f- feel. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Know. And, but also, I don't like Bukowski, but I love. Soundgarden. So, you know, yeah. These these are or biases. Or I feel. Thousand chains. I do. Yeah. All that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. the last man standing is Eddie Vedder, and he. Uh, yeah. The, he the saw, least likely yeah. of them all. He saw the Cubs win the World Series, so I think he's he's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was rude. Not to diminish what the other people have been through. Anyways. Um, from one narcissist to another i guess yeah uh i tanya yes you, uh, tanya. <laughs> i state your name uh from 2017 uh written by captain america and starring the winter soldier yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> i didn't even realize that yeah didn't fact. even realize it <laughs> I forgot totally that. Was <laughs> Immediately, the first thing I saw when it said "written by Stephen Rogers," like, wait a minute. Yeah, well, that yeah. Wait a minute, and Sebastian Stan is. I didn't. I could not figure out who that was for a very long time because he's. Well, so, I just literally figured it out right now when you said so. He's so fucking uh, meek in this movie, um, but I Tanya is the story of competitive ice skater Tanya Harding. Her uh, rise amongst the ranks of the U.S. figure skating competition uh, and her future uh, that gets thrown into doubt when her ex-husband intervenes. Starring Margot Robbie, Sebastian Stan, and Allison Janney, mostly. Um, It is the story of Tanya Harding's rough upbringing and... uh, Basically, everything leading up to the infamous uh, hit on Nancy Kerrigan's knee. Yes. And then a, a little bit of the fallout. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, I, I, I guess there's more. It's a pretty long movie. Like two hours. 
it's hard. Um, I think they did a good job with this because it's hard to uh, have a two-hour movie and you know what the culmination is, but yeah. you're still engrossed in the movie. Well, I th- they well yes. Um, I think they did a good job of kind of um, they. I mean, is documentary style and they broke the fourth wall a bunch of times Mm -hmm. and but i think they did a good job in 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 like in the middle of it they were like there's points in time where people said they saw tonya or tonya harding you know hitting yeah uh you know they just assumed tonya harding was the person that did it and like the the mandela effect yeah right so and like this kind of tries to not set the story straight but tell the story from make more maybe sense her of point the story of view, but yeah. not really all the time like um i'm interested in what you think about this movie because i um i have some really strong feelings about it um i really enjoyed it uh i thought it set um it set a really nice tone uh directed by craig gillespie who uh also did lars and the real girl mm-hmm. um had that same tone at points. Too. At points, yeah. Just that very, like, um, maybe it was the setting. Like, it had that kind of, like, washed out, like, drab. Right. Um, and just real, like, uncomfortable, like, like pauses. Yeah, these, like, right? yeah. Like, the person just wants to get away from the camera, but it's stent- dead set on them. Right. Um, yeah, I think it was... Um, I think it was an ordinary story told extraordinarily well. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Really um, good way to put it. Well, it it is an extraordinary story. Let's not get it, that wrong because it is It is an extraordinary story, but I uh, I don't know. Um uh, well, I know like I know you didn't really live it and I can't say I remember that I was, when it happened. I, I mean, I, I wasn't you know, I, I didn't understand the gravity of the whole thing, but like it's one of those things where I grew up knowing that that was a thing. Right. Well, I listened to um, I listened to Tony Kornheiser's uh, podcast, right? Yeah. And he does a radio show every day, whatever. Um, he was in Lillehammer at this time, whenever this happens, and he talks about he like he went he was sent by the Washington Post to go cover this cover the Olympics, and mm-hmm. this all broke out during this time. And he spent the entire time talking about this story, and he goes back and relives it and tells the ins and outs and all that stuff. And it just was, it was just a fascinating story, you know. And I, I not that you don't under you can't understand, because obviously you can. But it just I don't know it. I don't know it for me. Like I've been hearing about this for it feels like my whole life. I know it's not. It's been only like you know, hey, same thirds of my life. And you too, right? And it yeah. just it, it it was uh it like if it would happen today, I just imagine the fallout. Yeah, I don't know. If it would happen today, I'd be like, Well, it's it's twenty eighteen, this makes sense. Yeah, I guess. This is right. what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah. Uh it, it all changed when Push T killed Drake. Um <clears throat> anyways. So anyways yeah. <laughs> no, um, I don't mean uh, it is the the actual like 
insanity behind some of this stuff is definitely oh, absolutely it's hyped but, up hopped up like well, because these are ice princesses and all that stuff yeah, yes, yeah. it was way too it probably was a lot there's a lot more shit going on than but than what these two people were going through but yeah but right. what i mean by the what i mean by the ordinary story is like um and not to diminish uh tanya harding or what she had to go through which fucking sucks but especially um as fans of movies, as two guys who watch a lot of movies, you see this a lot. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, a is unfortunately you know tale as old as time. Yes. Uh, well, not it's it's tale as old as time. Unfortunately, this one is true. No. Uh, and I think that like right right on the outset, they set a great uh, they set the tone really well with the. Um, that opening card that says like based on totally true un you know uh, uninflammatory genuinely honest dialogue between these people and like okay so this is going to be maybe not a bunch of bullshit but this is going to be hyperbolic at the very least um, right and there was just a lot of like this really, really kind of like odd comedy in the movie uh hey. I mean, they handled a lot of the stuff like they definitely. handled a lot of really bleak stuff. Like, no pun intended, they kind of like skated around some very rough stuff and and kind of made it kept it light. Yeah, absolutely. There was like, laugh out mo- loud <laughs> moments, like stuff that I was chuckling at. Like, yeah, not, like not like ha ha, like couldn't like hold, but like laughing like. Are either are these people this dumb or well it was mostly that um, yeah but like yeah the uh, the uh, domestic uh, abuse stuff right yeah when that first punch comes or that first hit comes it is really brutal right yeah and it's like it's a thing I've talked about before is like you know what do you think domestic abuse looks like that's yeah what it looks like it's not it's uh, not you pretty know, a, a backhanded slap across the face and she goes down and like no it's a punch mm-hmm. you know it's 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 a you know people who aren't afraid to hit women aren't gonna like hold back, Pull back yeah <laughs> yeah you're you know? you're already crossing the line they're not tiptoeing over it and uh yeah so that that was the that was the thing that was very um i guess the most uh jarring or the most well i mean mm-hmm. i don't know if honest or whatever it was but like you know, maybe he says it didn't happen, but yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Um, and then, but even in that, there's a couple times where, like, I think there's one time where she gets like punched in the face, and then she's facing the camera and breaks the fourth wall. I was like, it was like this a lot. I don't know. Yeah. It just it it kind of the fourth wall break. Maybe it's. Maybe it's supposed to, maybe it's not, but it kind of like breaks any sort of like tension. Yeah, I, I guess. And kind of like really softens the blow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe it does. Maybe they should have expanded on that a little bit. But um, I mean, she had a rough, yeah, a rough go of it. And mm-hmm. like, I thought it was very poignant that get the end or close to the end. She's like, they did this to me. This person is now you are doing it to me. And like, it, it, it it's a little put on and it's yeah. a little, hey, you know, why is me and she's doing the, her own nancy kerrigan thing you know why why you know why but at the same time it is a little poignant i don't know i i um i guess i'm curious 
why you you felt like because I felt like it was a little um, bit of a put like a little unearned like this is a huge I understand you didn't necessarily ask for any of this um, but this is a huge moment in like American sports like people are gonna be curious and no I totally get it I'm looking at it I'm not actually like I'm not defending it I'm right. like trying I'm looking at it through her point of view. Mm-hmm. And be like, you know, I've been, I've gone through all this stuff and I got to the pinnacle mm-hmm. and I had f- not even my 15 minutes. I've had my, fif- not even my 15 minutes of fame. I've had like infamy after two minutes of fame. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I didn't even get to the point where I was supposed to, you know, do it. And before I could even do it, I'm this person. And right. now not only, you know, my husband, my mother, you know, whoever is around me does is doing it to me now mm-hmm. you are doing it to me and i get it from her point of view i do I honestly, whether she's right or wrong eh, it's you know that's yeah but, uh, i guess i, I, I guess what you're it, saying makes sense really yeah poignant. and like why why she would do the thing she did yeah and i get it from her point of view too but also her point of view there's certain things that are absolutely like you know her upbringing her um husband beating her yeah, those are not her fault. But there are certain things like, and I think the movie kind of hammered that home, is she thinks nothing's her fault. She thinks that she's just the premier athlete and she's exempt oh, I, from any negative criticism. And I, I don't think the movie shied away from, like, actually putting some blame on her, too. Yeah. Like, it, it, it the movie was, like, like it was endorsed by Tanya Harding, like, and she was there the whole way, and she worked with mm-hmm. Margot Robbie, and they went to all the junkets and stuff. But it didn't, it maybe didn't pull, off. it 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 landed some punches against her. It didn't, yeah, absolutely. Um, it didn't take any uh, thing away. Maybe not. Maybe she was more involved and all that stuff, and maybe she was more to blame for like the shitty parts in her life. Um, but it also put her to task for a lot of the shit, like, you know, yeah, uh, you know, not being able to, um, work well with others and all that stuff. So it Mm -hmm. wasn't just a love letter to her at all. Yeah, no, I agree. And it was, um, the, uh, the, um, there's certain things that are like all the abuse that she had to deal with is absolutely not her fault, but her, um, being a kind of a prima donna on the ice that's your fault yeah and and yeah. uh yeah i do i do appreciate that the movie didn't shy away from saying like they they did not paint her and i think this is one of the things that i heard is like oh she comes out smelling like roses and I'm like i definitely didn't feel that no. way i felt that they painted her in not so much a negative light as as an accurate one right i i think so too especially the way they it's weird because you're looking at it's basically taking her words and putting in Margot Robbie's mouth, like as she's being interviewed now, yeah. right? And like you could tell her like disdain for certain people, and you know, it just it was, I it was it was a uh, I thought as much as it could be accurate. I hope this is accurate because it felt real for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell you what, like as much is uh, Allison Janney got so much praise for this role and she was great. She was fine. You know, and she got the Oscar for best supporting. I really thought Margaret Robbie deserved a lot more than what she got for this role. 
I'm like not saying she's like I before coming into this, I wasn't thinking she's like a terrible actor, but I didn't put her on a certain like a, I thought she acted her ass off in this yeah. movie. I really do. I like Yeah. I think there's believable. some some like, like incredible moments too. Um oh. where she is uh in the courtroom. In the courtroom was really good, but like there's one moment I think it's bef- like as everything's falling apart, she's like putting her makeup on and crying and then she gives this huge like shit eating grin and it's like, Oh my god. Oh I don't yeah. know. They, right? they just and it was like right to the camera. It was just very yeah, well, unsettling. She's, like, looking right in the mirror. Yeah. Herself. Yeah. yeah. Like like trying to hide was it when she was trying to hide a bruise too or maybe that was a different scene but yeah i mean she had to do a lot especially um yeah i don't know i i feel like she did such a good job of like being that person that that tortured person putting on a happy face and that one scene was just such a a, a great like literal embodiment of what she had to do for for most of the movie um she was nominated for, yeah, for uh, best performance looking. yeah um, she was nominated so that i feel better about that though. yeah yeah so she did get and she won best performance um oh no i'm sorry that was allison janney again um she won at the golden globes and the oscars um but yeah she was nominated at um the golden globes and then again at the oscars for best performance um but yeah, I, I feel like she did do a really great job. And and I agree. Like I I always thought like she was a, a good actor, but this role was more you know, she was in Wolf of Wall Street, Suicide Squad, that Will I mean, Smith movie. Yeah, I mean she's like, a specimen she, of a woman. Like she's yeah, like, oh, she's gorgeous, she's, yeah. Yeah. And like like there was not one point in this movie where I was like thinking like this she's not believable she's you know because you know they're two different creatures almost (laughs) yes you know and and i'm and but she like and like that sounds very uh, whatever it is but like you know it's she looked bad maybe i don't know what like it's the uh charlie Theron with monster thing you know you you ugly yourself up to win but like it's not in that it's just the way she carried herself and the way she portrayed herself she embodied this, this character so yeah well. she really yeah. did man and i i was like at like when she did that um that speech i watched this with brooke mm-hmm. when she did that speech i was i turned to brooke I was like she deserves an oscar for this like yeah. she was so good in that and uh i i really appreciated what she did and i'm i'm anxious to see what she can do going ahead and i know this is her passion like she she really tried she tried to fund it or she like was a big um like this was her project yeah i mean i'm uh, looking at the budget is 11 million i can't imagine that she could probably command it 11 million a picture at this point in her career right but no this is i mean i think i don't even know i mean whatever she got paid whatever yeah she's i mean she well, that's, I like, mean, she could have very easily worked for scale, or I mean, she might even be yeah. a producer. I haven't really I, I, looked at the I credits think she that is. closely. I'm pretty sure she is. Um, um, yeah. uh, it's crazy, though, like all these people that you feel like they're, 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 they're gilding the lily as far as like overacting and making it seem like all, like between Alice and Janney and like the Eckhart and all these people that seem so like, like caricatures. Mm. But like, they did a great job and they were like, and they didn't overdo it. But like at that end credit scene, they showed the actual interviews with the people. And yeah. you're like, 
Jesus. It's real. They're real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are actually the people. Yes. Yeah. No, there's a, a lot of them. I, I mean, obviously, Allison Janney got, got the credit she deserved. Um, but they really all put a lot in. Um, if I have one weird complaint about the movie. Yeah. You can't. Uh, you can't tease me with Bobby Cannavale. You can't give me that little bit at the beginning and then right. be gone for a whole act. I need, I need my Bobby. Well, he, he, he was, he was, he was like Pepper. He was sprinkled in. Yeah, in he was, he was. But I, fuck, I love that guy. Um, yeah, I gave it an eight. I think this was um, that's uh, excellent. Too. Why are we so? Uh, because otherwise, we'll talk. We'll. You know, one of us will give it a nine, the other will give it a seven, and, and yeah. we'll and just talk it to like, death. Why didn't you like it? <laughs> I did. Why did you like it so much? I didn't. Hmm. I only gave it an eight. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, really good movie. Um, uh, Brooke loved it. How did uh, yeah. OT like it? She liked it. Um, I I actually don't think she liked it as much as me, and she was much more excited to watch it. So Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad I watched it, and I do agree with you. Like, I'm glad that she got the. Um, I'm glad that Margot Robbie got the nomination. Um, it was one of those things where it's like you know this person is a good actor, but they just haven't had that role yet. This was definitely that role where it's kind of like, oh, this is what she it, can do. Yeah, it feels like from here she can, she can call. She probably already could, but she can call a lot more shots now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Who really good? Do you know who won best performance? I was just thinking about that. I was like, and I can't remember. Um, I guess I could. <laughs> um. Oh wow, Lady Bird did not win anything at the Oscars. Oh, Saoirse Ronan didn't she win it? No, she won um, best actress at the Golden Globes. All right. Um. And she was nominated for the Oscars. Uh, I guess this is an easy lookup. Who's best actress? Francis McDormand. Yeah. Okay. Can't yeah, can't speak on that. Haven't seen yeah. it yet, but I want to. <sighs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I Tanya. I don't think we did this. I I recommend strongly recommend if if that oh, was not yeah not abundantly yeah. clear um i don't recommend barfly and neither, neither do i that's where um, we're at hey how about that we're we're nailing it today lining up nice uh i don't know if we're lining up on this but i need another beer yeah so do i all right let's take a quick break before we get into the next seg that's what we in the biz call segment beer be beep all right. So, yeah. uh, it's time to dole out some assignments. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to watch a movie I watched a little while ago with my son. Uh, stream on Netflix right now, Coco from last year. I think best mm -hmm. was it best animated picture. Um, it was in the mix, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will check that out while you, I know you saw it. So yeah, 
You're so a fan uh, yeah, of this I, one. I I enjoyed it. So hopefully you will too. I'm mm-hmm. glad. I'm happy to talk about it next week. It'll yeah. be fun. Yeah, and it's streaming on Netflix. So that Disney uh, collaboration is not yet dead. Cool. Uh, yeah, best animated feature. And best achievement in music written for motion pictures. Yeah, it was pretty good. And I love music, so there we go. Cool. Yeah, greatest show and should have won though. Uh, haven't seen it, so. Dude, I'm still obsessed with that. Well, I partly because my wife. I haven't loves seen it so Coco much, either, I... so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. This is a tasty beer. <clears throat> what do you got? Uh, the I think I was talking about it last week. Uh, Urban South, placed by me, released Lemongrass Ginger Gosa. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So refreshing. Nice. And that no strings attached. I have no problem sipping a light light beer afterwards. Very good. Yeah, I do have... I was, I was going through. I've got some good stuff in the fridge, but I don't want to burn it. Because I'm saving it for the show. Good, good, good. Mm. All right, so what do you got for the... For me. All right. Yes. Um, I'll be watching Coco from 2018, The Forgiven. Yeah. Streaming on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker and Eric Bana combine to uh, give you a tale. (laughs) Directed directed by Roland Joffe. Oh, nope. The name sounded familiar. Don't know him. Uh, yeah, I well, I heard an interview on the Corolla show with with uh, Eric Bana, and mm-hmm. I like him just as a as a person as well as an actor. So I was like, hey, I, I remember them talking about that. So I don't mind watching that. Um, I don't know how much work you did on what my suggestion for the people were going to be, but I'm going to change it up. Um, um, go ahead. If that's okay. Yeah, of um, course. I'm going to change it up a little bit. Uh, I was going to go Zombievers. We've talked about it a couple times. A movie we have never talked about and a movie I really like. And it's always on like, you know, either TNT or TBS or, you know, some of the cable stations. Um, But it's a movie from 2002 called Patriot Games with Harrison Ford starring as uh, Jack Ryan. Uh, A really good. uh, Well, uh, the Tom Clancy based movie on the based on the books and stuff uh with sean bean in it uh just a fun Whoa, fun action alert. movie and a thinker movie from the 90s so uh i don't have you ever seen that before uh yeah yes okay yeah i'm, I'm um, sure just on a like a random saturday afternoon oh yeah it's, on it's perfect it's a great tv movie i definitely yeah. don't mean that in a bad way yeah so I mean, people who listen probably have seen it, but if you yeah. haven't, please check it out. It's it's a highly recommended movie. That's thus the recommendation. Yes, and uh, this is on uh, on the old uh, Prime, Amazon Primester. Amazon. Yes, I was very excited for Prime Day. Then it kind of sucked. Yeah, I heard it. Was, they, were, they were having some problems with the. Yeah, yeah, but then when you got there, like it's weird deals. It's like. I, I guess deals on necessities are are all good and well, um, but like I don't have a problem spending money on necessities. It's like I I really want to check out you know that new the new Nintendo Switch and uh, right. never bring it out in public because I'm a fucking adult who wants to play video games in secret. Uh, That's right. <laughs> um, you know I I don't want to 
drop $300 on that. I'd, I'd rather wait for like a deal on that. But instead it's like, Oh, handheld vacuums. Like, well, I needed a handheld vacuum. So I just bought one because that makes sense. Right. I don't know. So you're waiting for Prime Weird Day deals. to come to Weird get your deals. fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. To, to buy, you know, toys that I don't need that I, you know, I guess I don't need to justify my purchases. It's not like if I, they only impact me. Like I don't have like a dog or, or kids that are going hungry because I'm playing with Nintendos. <laughs> Nintendos. Now you sound like an old person. Well, I, I was just thinking because I have that new, uh, that Super Nintendo that, OT got me for my birthday and another Nintendo. No, no, so. Yeah, you have yeah. plural Nintendos. Yeah, multiple Nintendos. Uh, the Nintendos. Weird. The face books. Yeah, the books of the face. All right, so uh, what do you got for the peeps? Anyways, yeah, all in all, the point is Inside Man from 2006 is streaming out on Netflix. Mm. Starring uh, Denzel Washington and Clive Owen. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed it's a spike lee joint mm-hmm. and uh for a change of pace it's a good one yes so. probably maybe oh did you see oh i saw a trailer today for um uh black klansman oh no i have spike, not seen spike lee's new new one check out the trailer if you get your write that down check out the trailer it looks actually pretty good mm. uh it's uh produced by um uh, uh jordan peele and then directed by Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it actually looks pretty good. It's got some humor. It looks in it. Uh, I'm anxious for it. <laughs> I mean, it just it reminds me of Clayton Bigsby right off the bat. <laughs> right, yeah, a little bit. But um, uh, Yeah, I'll check it, it out. Yeah, check out the trailer. It, it looks pretty good. So, mm. Oh, and uh, another trailer we got to watch, or a little bit of a cold open trailer, kind of like what yeah. Christopher Nolan does. Um, uh, former... Former guest and I'm sure current Friend listener, of the show. Uh, Anderson. Um, his movie is now in theaters uh, in uh, kind of a special. You have to be able to go like, what is it? Select showings or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, his movie Groupers, what we talked about, it was about this time last year, right? Um, uh, yeah, I think so. And um, yeah, it was summertime. It, it's it's finished and now other than the teaser trailer he had um, for a while now he if you go on to his website andersoncount.com or if you look for groupers um, cold open uh, they have the first like four and a half minutes of the movie and yeah. it's actually like I I'm sounding like I'm surprised but I know that he's take a lot of time and mm-hmm. and, and work but I know it was on, done on a shoestring budget so you know you're always kind of leery about it like you know how's it gonna look you look like a movie like barfly it looked like shit you know for yeah. three million dollar budget in 1987 you know where this actually looks freaking fantastic the first mm-hmm. four minutes as far as the the shots and stuff go and the the uh everything so i was kind of yeah. excited for that so. same same deal i was really um not apprehensive i don't know i just I want to talk about it because he is, I mean, we love his podcast. He was nice enough. To, well, I mean, you, you set the whole thing up, which was, was great of you, but he also was, you know, on the podcast with us and, and gave us his time. And um, so I didn't want to, I don't know. I, I wanted to talk about it, but I guess as we kind of alluded to earlier, if it wasn't good, yeah. I'm not, I, 
I'd want to hold my tongue, but I don't know if I, I I'm just happy it was good. Yeah, um, well, for a multitude for of reasons. And it, that's why we were. Yeah, exactly. To, yes. You know. Yeah. The, yeah. So hopefully it it all holds up that way, and it, like this was you know what he wanted to do is his passion. It's it's cool to see that kind of thing. You know, I I don't think I've ever had something I wanted to do that badly for that long and mm-hmm. put my life on hold and and put my you know you put it on the line. Yeah, not yeah. even on hold. Yeah. And uh, like I I would never have the balls to do something like that. I don't think. Um, and take that kind of risk, and it's hopefully it's going to pay off for him. I hope for him. So uh, go check it out. It's on it's streaming on or it's uh, on Vimeo. Well, if you go to his website, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. So, uh, but it, yeah, if you like that uh, interview, go check it out and support that stuff. So, uh, yeah, any other yeah. business we got to get to? Uh, no, just uh. uh... I think it's it's just time to to get down to it. All right. So uh, in honor of the biopics that we watched, we have decided that we're going to uh, play producer and uh, greenlight some uh, some biopics, some passion projects of our own. This yeah, week. absolutely. So, I had a like I had a blast yeah. looking up stuff. I really had a fun time. Yeah, was, me too. Uh, it was uh, it cons- it. it it did too, it hit two of my sweet spots, history and movies, so mm-hmm. I'm happy. Yeah, um, I, I saw some of my favorite subjects intersecting. Um, got to kind of pick and choose uh, movies that I'd want to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I was telling you earlier, spent a lot of time on Google Image trying to do some casting. And uh, to be honest, not, <laughs> not very successfully, <laughs> but... <laughs> I still had fun with it. Um, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it reminds me of this is a little more. Obviously, I love doing our lists. It, it's it's a blast. I I really like making lists, and you know, we talk about movies on a very regular basis, so it's only natural. Um, but this kind of reminded me of when get a little we were, creative. Yeah, pitching our franchises that we wanted to. Yeah, like source materials we wanted to pick over. So, cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I have so I have four more fleshed out ideas. Uh, so just real quick, my my uh, number five, I guess. Yeah. Um, I had two ideas. Uh, one is um, uh, one. The subject is Bob Probert, uh, a um, yeah. enforcer for a longtime Detroit Red Wing, um, part time Chicago Blackhawk. Uh, who uh, he had a biography out called Tough Guy, which if you are into sports biographies, which I very much am, strongly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was kind of a byproduct of another movie I'm going to pitch on my list. Um, a bit more of a, uh, no, mm, a little less rough around the edges. Bob Probert, um, he was he was a tough guy, but he also lived life pretty hard. Yeah, and uh, so that was one one idea I had, and then another one actually stems from uh, a lot of discussions I've been having with uh, Mavs Matt. Um, this summer we were uh, as as the fanboys we are, we're very uh, gracious to uh, 
be listening to a series of albums produced by Kanye West, um, the polarizing pop culture figure. Um, he was out in Wyoming for months recording all these albums, and then um, his his most recent album, Yay, was completely scrapped and re-recorded within the period of a, about a month after he made some uh, very unsavory and stupid comments. Um, and I feel like that that would be... Uh, uh, we were saying we really want a documentary of something like that, but I would love a uh, dramatic interpretation of that as well um, because yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes uh, that is just, uh, I don't know. It, it was yeah. probably absolutely insane. Yeah, well, it, it I just find it crazy that he would spend months and months and months and then record that album. In a in a month, like the one that yeah. was released, like I just I don't get it. Like I yeah, I mean that it. album was a, a slap, definitely slapped together. You can hear it, but um, I mean that kind of goes along with what we're whether whether you like him or not. What I guess kind of would be indicative of if you think he's a genius or not. But, oh no, yeah. But he um he is one of those people that is he's the the self destructive starving artist, even though he's very much accomplished yeah. now he's still trying to push himself as an artist and i actually i actually read recently i'll send it to you um i'll try and remember to tweet out the link um it might have well, actually I mean, been a video essay about like him and kubrick about like both of their objectives were to basically destroy their mediums right to do yes. something so well that not that it's over just like right. okay, you can't you can't make yeah. yeah what everything else is gonna be compared to this. So why mm-hmm. try? Um, yeah, I get that, it, yeah. and it's weird because like and maybe like Kubrick, it's it's like the only thing that's standing in in Kanye's way and in Kubrick's way was uh, himself because he had carte blanche. They could yeah. do what they wanted to, right? Like there's exactly. nothing stopping him but him. And it's uh it's it's a it, it like you said it's kind of a self destructive path that Mm -hmm. uh some of the stuff you know whether it's you know what he's saying or the way he wants to i don't know it's it's a i find him i do find him a fascinating figure Mm -hmm. um i and i can't i don't know whether he's just a a, like a super genius or a total idiot i don't know yeah um well i i think i've said a lot the only way he can articulate himself well is in music and so i think that that adds to a lot of the drama that makes for good story that makes for good movie so yeah for sure um, and as far as the bob probert thing yeah i mean as far as because he was he was he was a like a badass tough guy Mm -hmm. and and he i mean he recently passed and like he was uh i mean you know with all the cte stuff that's going on in the nfl he was that he was that case for the NHL. Yeah. And he, I mean, his brain was riddled with it. And, yeah, uh, um, yeah it's just, it's a, it was a sad thing because from all accounts, he was a super sweet guy. Everyone, mm-hmm. like all his teammates loved him, but yeah. he was, um, he had a, that, and whether it was from, yeah, you he, know, the brain trauma or whatever. Whether the, it was not loose a, or he grew up with it loose, there was screws loose. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I remember, but, and he just, he was, I just remember some stories that were just so fucking disrespectful. Like I, um, 
when he he used to be a big um, Coke user, and when he had gotten clean, some like some reporter was like, "I gotta see this," and they like set up a meeting with him and like cut up some rails for him in an interview. It just kind of like set him up and like this guy's trying to clean his life up like what the hell are you doing like really fucking asshole yeah i wish i knew the guy's name so i could put him on blast to the six people listening uh but yeah i just i've heard some stories of like you said beloved by his teammates and his family um i remember when he passed i was i was not you know it's not affected by it but i was like man what what a bummer yeah lost it does lost another good one yeah, well, I mean, it just sucks that, you know, you can't rely that he's going to be around. You know, it's better. Your life is better with him around. There's mm-hmm. certain per- people that aren't. You yeah. know, a guy like Robin Williams. Yeah, it'd be better if he was around. Yeah. Be yeah. a lot cooler so. if he did. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, my first one, I'm not going to say number seven, or number seven, <laughs> but I, I may have just played my hand. Yeah. Um, uh, I, uh, this one, I'm kind of excited. It, the name is uh, Ching Xin. Ching Shi, Ching Shi, something or other. It's a it's a Chinese name, and this is this woman was born in the late 1700s. Okay, mm-hmm. and and she was a Cantonese prostitute who married a pirate. Nice. And when he died, he took she took over his fleet. And at one point in time, she had up to like 17,000 pirates working for her, and was fighting the British, the Chinese navies the portuguese navies and got to the point where in most of these stories you know where these these rebel and, and oh, well before i get to that like she had enlisted this code of uh loyalty or this code of piracy where mm. everything that was taken um was divided and in a certain percentage was given back to the people uh nothing was ever taken from people other than uh uh, the governments. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the, like, you could not if you raped somebody, you were automatically beheaded. If you actually if you had sex with someone like from a place where you were raiding, the then uh, consensual even like you could you couldn't enforce your will. Like yeah, in a bad way. It was it was, it was like a noble pirate, and like at a certain point, like she, the Chinese army or the tri- Chinese navy. She had taken all their ships, and they had to fight her with like fishing vessels because she was such a badass. And um, and it got to the point where the Portuguese finally kind of corralled her, mm-hmm. but she was such uh, an, an intimidating uh, person, or had such all this merit, and she decided, or the the Portuguese army said, okay. We, we're just going to take your ships and we'll give you your, all your money and just don't come back and be a pirate anymore. So she then she just went and she opened a, a gambling hall and a, a brothel and lived out her life till sure. she was like 69. Hell and, yeah. Yeah. Um, so who I want to play this, I want Ellen Wong. Uh, she was, if you remember uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim, uh, she, was the, uh, she was Knives from Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Okay, and I who I want I want Gore oh, yeah, Verbinski yeah, yeah, yeah. to direct this movie. Guy loves uh, pirates. 
Yeah, he's set up for it. He knows pirates, right? Mm-hmm. And he could he could pull it off. And you don't have to make it so cute and funny. Let's make it a like legit. You know, uh, you don't have to make it tongue in cheek or anything. Let's yeah. make it legit. And I think it'd be a, like a great epic movie. Well, yeah. I mean, I I've never heard of this before, but it sounds like a pretty incredible story. So I'm yeah, gonna... it's uh, Ching. It's Ching C H I N G, and then the last name is S H I H. If you want to uh, do a little Google search for her, uh, she's a fascinating character from from history. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I like it. Uh, any anything else you got going on? You want to do a second one? one out there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, there is a a woman from <laughs> anything else born... you got going on. I know there's six more. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot. Go ahead. Um, uh, there was a woman born in the late, like really late eight, 1800s, or yeah, 1800s, 19th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name was Audrey Munson, okay? And she was like the first supermodel, okay? And she was the subject, and she was she was living in like the New York area. She's the subject of like all these sculptors. And like she was like the she had like the perfect body and they everyone sculpted her and she actually started to do like some um, uh, some film some film act like the early film she was actually the first person that or first woman to appear nude on film as nice. well and uh, she did all these things within like a, like a ten year period like all this modeling and money and stuff and like and then she started to kind of go crazy. Um, she uh ended up <laughs> it's crazy she she spent 63 years in a like in a, not an asylum but in a uh, uh in like a ward for like depression and like schizophrenia and stuff like that she died at 104 years old oh shit yeah it, like craziness like died in like 1996 or something like that so um but who I wanted to do this because he has the experience with um uh oh shit Shoot. I think I just I might uh, overlap somebody here. Just give me a second. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I want uh, Nicholas Wanting Refn to do nice. this because he has the 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 neon demon, the modeling thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to see him do some. Um, I know he did a little bit of this and 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 drive, but like. It, not quite, but it felt a little retro. But I want him to go back and do a period piece, yeah. and I want Kira Knightley to be that person because she no he complaints. Can, she can she has the uh, the looks and stuff to be able to pull that off, but also like the edge, uh, like the acting edge to be able to to play a little crazy, right? Yes. Um, so yeah, there you go, Audrey Munson. A u d r e m u or a u d r e y m u n s o n. Yes, the American Venus. Yes, she was. Uh, yeah, the first supermodel. Miss Manhattan. Oh. Uh, wow, that's wild. Cool. I'm into it, and uh, yeah, Raffin, sign me up. Yeah. Perfect. All right, so I mentioned Bob Probert, uh, and that really was kind of an afterthought uh, that I think would be really good in 
in um so i don't want to diminish it i guess even though it was something i thought of afterwards uh but i thought uh the guy who uh had a hat trick named after him uh be a great story would be uh mr hockey gordy howe mm-hmm. uh, was he, he was an all-star in like five different decades right yeah he i um yarmor yager definitely is have not beating him challenging him for being like the no. oldest player uh but he played for a he played hockey for ever yeah he was in his 70s when he was still he was still playing yeah. like professional like quote-unquote professional like not the nhl but yeah but he was still like um competitive yes com- uh competitive hockey player for a very long time and incredibly great uh was it yeah. goal assist in a fight is the uh gordy howe hat trick which he never had <laughs> yeah you know no that's history will remember it differently yeah <laughs> no it it's uh he is um it's maybe not as uh um movie glamorous as bob probert but just a, a um an incredible story about i feel like uh maybe it's because it potentially is underperforming at at the box office and you know hockey is not america's pastime um but I feel like there's a uh, definite opportunity for more great um, sports films surrounding surrounding hockey. Um, so I want to bring in someone who's great with um, sports action, uh, Gavin O'Connor. Oh, he uh, directed Warrior and uh, Miracle. There you go. Um, one of those is much better than the other, but he still knows how to direct ice hockey sequences. Um. So I think that uh, that's the um, I don't know I I looked I tried to find some other guys um, I looked at other hockey movies Slapshot uh, and Goon yeah. specifically and uh, those guys just don't have the chops yeah going you ever see you ever see um, uh, Mystery Alaska yes yeah that's a fun little movie that is I like that movie a lot and it's been yeah. a long time since I've seen it um, but. Let me take. Oh, I forgot Russell Crowe was in it. Honestly, yeah. it's been that long. Um, maybe maybe we get Jay Roach in the uh, in the seat. There you go. Uh, <clears throat> what has he been up to lately? But yeah, so uh, Gavin O'Connor, and especially coming off um, me having recently seen Warrior, I know that he can handle he can handle slower moments, and he can handle. Um, these visceral action sets as well um very sure. well so i thought that it was a great choice and maybe uh maybe it's because he has a great hockey beard even though uh gordy howe never necessarily had one or maybe it's just that he has a long face like gordy howe or maybe it's just that we were uh just talking about a quiet place but um i went with uh john krasinski as the no, uh, like titular character yeah age him up a little bit he does yeah. have that young young man's face but he does probably, yeah probably age him mm-hmm. like he looked good with a beard that was fine yeah yeah he, uh yeah and he he's got the he's uh got a he's got a good screen presence he's got the uh you know give him the a dapper little haircut and clean shaven and maybe uh 
some prosthetic to, like you said, age him up. And uh, we got Gordy Howe. Sweet. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. It's uh, his, like, people think, they always think, like, non, like, uh, tertiary hockey fans or tertiary, like, just sport fans, like, that aren't involved in hockey that much mm-hmm. i mean really the only no like wayne gretzky is like the greatest and he yeah. like absolutely absolutely you look at the numbers ridiculous but yeah. as far as like a two-way player like gordy like you know i i pretty much live vicariously through other people's like stories and stuff so i didn't get to watch really what he was able to do same and but like just just uh a force to be reckoned with is just yeah just a total uh stud yeah 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 um have you read his book or listened to his book either no i have not mr hockey it's good i am a fan shocking that's yeah (laughs) i know it's crazy um but i also am a fan of uh i've i've read quite a few hockey biographies so Yes. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Onward. Uh, good one. Good. I like it a lot. Um, does the name Michael Malloy mean anything to you? Mm, Probably not. No. But his nickname was Mike the Durable or Iron Mike. He was born in 1973 and died in 1870. He was born in 1873, died in 1933. <clears throat> and he was a homeless Irishman mm. and uh, a former firefighter. Um, but also like at this point in time in whenever the story is going to take place, it was in the thirties and <laughs> he is homeless. <laughs> that is such a thirties nickname. Dur- Mike, the durable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but he's, he's homeless. He's an alcoholic mm-hmm. and five of his so-called friends decide to take at this point, you could take life insurance policies on anybody. And they decide to take a life insurance policy. Oh, no. Death. Just one of the guys owned a bar. And they gave him unlimited. I lost you for a second. Right when you said life insurance policy, but you're back. Damn it. (laughs) Come on. Oh, no. Now he's gone, gone. It's okay. Ooh. Whoa. Uh, sorry about That's that. That's all right. We're back. Good. Um, so where did that cut off? Life insurance policy. All right. So these five guys decided to take a life insurance policy on this guy. And this is a point in time where you just take life insurance policies on anybody. And mm-hmm. if they died, then you got money for them. And it's weird, right? Yes. And, but one of these five guys owns a bar. And they decide, hey. He's a drunk, mm-hmm. and he drinks a lot. We're going to give him unlimited credit at, at this bar, and where he's going to drink himself to death. Mm-hmm. Well, after a couple months, this didn't work. He's just getting drunk, keep coming in. So what they decided to do, all right, we're going to put some antifreeze in his drinks. <sighs> Doesn't die. <laughs> Jesus. Then they start putting some turpentine in his drinks. Doesn't die. Some horse liniment. I don't know even know what that is. They put that in. It doesn't work. They put rat poison in his drinks. He doesn't die. They um, they gave it. They fed him a raw oyster sandwich with wood alcohol in it. He doesn't die. 
I mean, they that give just him a good. sandwich with spoiled sardines, poison, and carpet tax, and he asked for another. Oh my god! <laughs> they took one night. He passed out drunk. Sky is durable. They he passed out drunk one night, and they took him outside. And it was a really cold day. It was like minus fourteen in, in New York at this time. A bug just flew in my mouth. Um, uh, they poured, they took him, they stripped all his clothes off and poured five gallons of water on him and tried to freeze him. He showed up the next day looking for his beer. Jesus. <laughs> they had someone to hit him with a taxi at 45 miles an hour and he didn't die. He b- broke a bunch of bones, spent three weeks in the hospital and ended up back in the bar for his free beers. Finally, they ended up they ended up killing him by put like when he passed out one night they put like a gas hose in his mouth and like mm-hmm. carb like carbon monoxide poisoning and killed him that way. But like all five of these guys ended up getting sentenced for like they um, he by at this time he had become legendary. So mm-hmm. like all the shit they were doing to him, like he had become like this mythical figure. Yeah, sure. And and he. Uh, they they decided to exhume the body and, and look and see if he was poisoned or whatever, <clears throat> and they all these all five of these guys ended up being killed in the gas or uh, electrocuted for doing this to this guy. Wow, yeah. Uh, but I'm gonna put a spin on it. I want to okay. make it funny and make it fun. All right. First I'm, of all, I want Killian Murphy to play the person. Right. Nice. Irishman. Yes. Right? I'm in. And I love Killian Murphy, and Same. he I can imagine him being a fall down stupid drunk. And I want Edgar Wright to direct it. Okay. Because I like, can see some that. No, things, this is right in his alley. Well, some of the things they were doing to him, like, could have been, like, it could be just silly and fun. Like, you put a fun spin on it. Yeah. You know, if it happened today, it'd be too soon. But, you know, it's almost 100 years ago. Yeah. Well, you know, they say time heals all wounds. So That's right. Um, yes. But Michael Malloy. No, yes. it's it's a crazy story, and it definitely has um, some very like vicious undertones. Well, I mean, it's overtly vicious. But thinking as I'm thinking of it, as you're describing it, I'm thinking of it in the context of a movie, mm. and it feels very comedic. Of like, it at least um, it's all through the vo- viewpoint of the guys, you know, the yeah. five guys trying to do it, like a like. Um, just a stupid band of robbers, you know, like yeah. dumb criminals, you yeah. know, like the kind of like the wet bandits or something, you know <laughs> yes. what I mean? Like just, and everything they do, they just, every time he just keeps showing up like, and they do like a montage. They, yeah. Like, I was going to say, poison it, like, yeah, it's the next like day just shows montage. back up and like yeah. shows back up and shows back up, you know? Yeah. With these kind of like goofy, like, um, what's it like? Who, whomever in the wolf. Peter and the Wolf, like the, right. <laughs> this tubas, just him marching in every day, yes. walking out, fall down drunk off a of turpentine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy if you read the story. It's great. It's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm Michael looking at Ma- the Wikipedia. It's wild. Michael Malloy. Carpet tax. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't even know what horse liniment is. Yeah. Uh, it's an ointment? Oh. Oh my God! This sounds like it would make you so sick. It basically sounds like he was eating uh, icy hot, but for a much bigger beast. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Sometimes called balms or heat rubs. 
Awesome. Did you, I love it. I I am in. Uh, I if you know, I had the money, I'd green light it. I like it. Um, so I have something that uh, I kind of want to play as a comedy as well. Uh, because it is, it's it's the story of an unlikely duo. Uh, that unlikely duo being Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin, who got together in the 80s to form Def Jam, which would later yes. on be, um, well, actually, I think pretty quickly become a powerhouse of um, commercializing hip-hop and uh, bringing it to the masses. Um, and I I do think that you can do a lot with, because, I mean, if you look today at Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons, the fact that they even know each other sometimes yeah, seems, it's seems crazy. baffling. Like, yeah. um, Rick Rubin looks like Santa Claus. And, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Russell Simmons, Russell Simmons is, is like a, a yogi. Yeah. A vegan uh, Weird, life, yeah. Gu- life guru who is uh, in trouble now. So uh, yeah. Yeah. we'll uh, not ignore that. But for, for the sake of the story, um, stick with before he was uh, had these, these accusations brought against him for being a a, a bad man um and i mean you can get uh obviously the the heavy hitters run dmc ll cool j the beastie boys um one thing that i thought would be fun and i think maybe kind of the reason i thought it would be good as a comedy was when i'm trying to cast it i did think maybe maybe the lonely island could be the beastie boys there's three of them oh that would be that would be amazing. That would, that would be, be fun, right? <laughs> and they would it, they would pull it off totally. Yeah, like they would. Like absolutely. That's that's a really good pull. I like that nice. a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Um, really, the only other thing that I um, the only other detail I ironed out when this one is I want uh, Rick Family Famiywa, um, who directed Dope. To direct oh, it, yeah, I think that this is um, a lot of quick cuts, yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, because you got to go through a long period of time, right? Yep, yep. And he can balance the uh, comedic and emotional um, and poignant moments. Uh, I think that he I did c- such I a good job. I can't imagine the shit that Rick Rubin's seen in some of his studios, <laughs> yeah. right? Like some of the people that's come through. Yeah, and I mean, this started out in Def Jam started in a college dorm. Yeah. And today it is just it it's so it's such a far cry from what it once was in terms of a couple of kids who had a crazy idea. Uh and I want to explore that crazy idea because I because I I love rap and I do um I think that it's maybe one of the more fun stories in the mainstream. Obviously we have um, we got straight out of Compton, which was great, and then both Notorious and All Eyes on Me left a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you could tell this story in, in in a fun way and kind of not necessarily tongue-in-cheek, but I think that these guys were um, having a lot of fun, and I think that it, it would translate well to the screen. Isn't it crazy though? A guy that looks like Rick Rubin has his fingerprints on the what he has his fingerprints on, like yeah. pretty much up. Like I mean, I mean he's he did uh, Kanye West stuff too. Yeah. Like and yeah, he produced just, Jesus. 
I mean, it's just it's crazy to think where like hip hop, like the way we look at hip hop and how much influence that guy has had, but kind of not. I mean, for the public, they don't even know who he is and what you know. I mean, I'm sure maybe right. they've heard the name, but like, like to have an ear in a for production like he has it's crazy right yeah yeah he is a pioneer of the um of that landscape and i i think um you think about the uh you know i was gonna say not to but i guess to make it about race you think about the white guys who are in that landscape they are the the moguls the like jimmy ivines the um, yes they're the they are cohen's the guys they're they're, they're the profiteers yeah they're profiteers they don't care they're not this guy not behind the music yeah this guy has his blueprint on this or has his uh dna on the blueprint of the sound yes this, exactly the, yeah well you know that well a lot of that that well i mean is it would you consider it more of well i'm thinking more west coast east coast stuff but um it uh but yes it's uh, it's 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 crazy, and to look at him today, yeah. you'd be like, "What?" Yeah, this guy was is like a roadie for the dead. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Russell Simmons too. He he is such a, a far cry from who he used to yeah. be. Like they they are just there's a story there, and it's a great story. And I think that it uh, it's begging to be told. And I nice. think that it would be fun if if you. Uh, decided to have a little more fun with it and um i think rick from from dope was he can do a great job he did an incredible job with dope and he just hasn't really had excuse me he hasn't really had that follow-up yet that i was really looking forward to because dope was my favorite movie of 2015 yeah no i i really 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 like that and the beastie boys thing like that could that could be its own like that <laughs> yeah like seriously because those dudes would take it so serious mm-hmm. it would be you know and you know they can act and yeah you know they, they would... can act and they act like they rap all the time yeah. I, and i enjoy it when they do i don't mean to take it away from them but no. they're they're comedic rappers yeah i'm awesome. into it yeah cool so the story of def jam yes all right um uh, my next one uh another lady Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Nellie Bly, and she was a like one of the first female investigative journalists, and like in the mid mid eighteen hundreds, and kind of kind of fascinating. She um, so she she just randomly sent a uh, an article to uh, she grew up in Pittsburgh, and she sent a. Uh, article to the the newspaper i can't remember which newspaper and like they were like who wrote this who wrote this and she's like i did it was anonymous and then she, they gave her something to write about and then she started to write about like how women were being treated in like the the steel mills and and like how uh like uh things uh she was she was like one of the first uh, per persons to be speaking about the injustices and stuff against women and stuff. But at a certain point she was, she was relegated back to like what would be considered the style section. Mm-hmm. And like, she was like, fuck that. I'm done with that. Uh, send me, I'll be your foreign co- correspondent in, 
in Mexico. So he sent her to Mexico and for like six months she was there and she was writing about the, in, in like atrocities and stuff being put on to the people and it ended up having to flee, uh, Mexico because they were going to kill her because of what she was writing. Oh, wow. And, but that's not even the most, the coolest part. Like at that point she got back to Pittsburgh and they were like, you're doing too much damage. And, and she's like, well, uh, fuck this. I'm going to go to New York and start writing up there. And she got, she, then she decided to do like one of these undercover investigation things. And it was kind of based on, uh, I think what, uh, one of the, I think the second season of American Horror Story was, was maybe loosely based around this, but she went undercover into a, um, uh, into the Women's Lunatic Asylum on Blackwell Island in New York. And oh. like back at, in those days in the 1800s, the lunatic asylums were, I mean, just it, like there was no regulations. It was just where we hid all of the things we didn't want to deal with as a society. Mm-hmm. And she wrote this huge expose on what was going on. She spent like went undercover and spent this time in there. And I just find that totally fascinating. Um, and she went on to do a bunch of other stuff. Like she, um, she read Jules Verne uh, around the world in 80 days and she decided to race another woman mm-hmm. and they raced around the world and she won the race. And like, she got back in 72 days. She ended up spending the day with Jules Verne in Paris, which is kind of cool on, uh, but, um, just a fascinating lady. Um, but I really want to spend the time that she spent in the lunatic asylum. I think it'd be cool to see David Fincher do that because like that dark gritty, oh, like yeah. that, that, that seven, that, you know, uh girl dragon tattoo that, you know, that um, even alien cubed uh, feel to it, that dark prisony type feel just real raw type thing. And, um, and I, there's actually image of her, but uh, I think Alicia Vic- Vikander would be a great role for this because nice. she, has that innocent kind of look to her, but a very strong um, personality, I think, or you know, something like where she'd be able to stand up for herself, you know, whatever it is. I but I like her. I really like her as an actress, and um, I think that would be a great team up and like a really cool story to tell of this like woman, like before you know any of the suffrage movements that you know that were seventy years away mm-hmm. when she did this. Um, you know, she's actually taking the reins and trying to make a difference. And like, she went to uh, zoos, like different zoos, and were, was reporting on like how they treated the animals and stuff in the zoos. You know, and, and tried to make changes there. So like a real um, uh, a force for change. This woman, and yeah. uh, I think a really cool story to tell. And I think Fincher could uh, pull it off because he's good. He, he can do the historical thing. You know, based on. Uh, you know, yeah. Benjamin the buttons and all that good stuff. Nice. So. Yeah, I like it. Uh, huh. All right. Um, so my last two are movies about movies, which uh, okay. we're, both, we like. we're both fans of. Yeah. So um, my first one is uh, based on the book Chainsaw Confidential. Um, so basically a, uh, movie of the making of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, and, uh, it was a book written by Gunnar Hansen who played Leatherface. Uh, he had a lot of (laughs) interesting stories from a pretty strange set of, um, uh, 
This was uh, guerrilla filmmaking before it had a uh, title. A word for it. Yes. Yeah. So this was not. This was never for the sake of. This was um, like what is it? Uh, World of Tomorrow or, or Tomorrowland or yeah, some like stuff that's like shot in secret at Disney World and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Um, um, this this is yeah. really like they wanted to make a movie and they were going to do it by any means necessary. They didn't have a word for it. They just called it filmmaking. And uh, so rough around the edges, um, pretty wild story of a movie very much beloved to me. Um, the movie was directed by Tobe Hooper, who I think uh, would be great as uh, portrayed by Rain Wilson. No, oh. my, my second yeah, office character. Dude, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he he had like the big glasses, and he had kind of this like mop of hair that kind of just like bled into his beard. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a good call. I like that. And um, uh, young Gunnar Hansen, I was thinking maybe this could be uh, told in flashbacks, so you could have uh, Gunnar Hansen be being the POV character, and uh, so young Gunnar Hansen played by Nick Frost. No, oh. and oh. Absolutely, because yeah. that was the whole thing. He was too fat to run. Mm-hmm. Like he, they were, they had like he spent like nights and nights running and trying to get in shape and stuff. Yeah, for the sequences. Yeah, yeah, and then, they're gonna have to put uh, him on stilts. But yes, yeah, because he's he's uh, you know, hey, I mean they make it work with Tom Cruise all the time. That's what I was gonna say. Give him the Tom Cruise treatment. <laughs> yeah, so so I think it'd be okay. And then uh, so old Gunnar Hansen. Um, played by Robbie Coltrane, who uh, maybe is most famous for playing uh, the uh, gentle giant Hagrid in the Harry Potter series. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so maybe him, something, maybe even something cheesy or goofy like him. No, because him they, by a they fire do... telling his story. Yeah, 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 and I think I think they they sync up pretty well in the visual department. Like he, the uh, Nick Frost could age into Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I hadn't picked out a director for it, but, um, I, I have a a cast that I like and I think it's just such a great story. Did you ever, uh, read Chainsaw Confidential? I know Matt did. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He was pretty. Yep. I really, yeah, I really liked it. He was pretty indifferent on it. Good. Uh, I actually liked it maybe more than the movie. There you go. Well, maybe you'll like the movie about the book about the movie more than the movie. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's a cool story, and um, obviously it would be a fabrication, but uh, you and I often go back to the uh, Lost Souls. and yeah. just Sometimes, yep. I mean, like, like you said, some or uh, like you alluded to, I guess, sometimes the story is more interesting than the movie, and um, it's a great story, and... Uh, you know, yeah, there haven't been a lot of really good Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, so maybe we could sneak another one in there. There you go. No, that'd be cool because it, it's ripe for it, right? It's yeah. like it's still like it's still in the zeit. Like every once in a while, we will get a movie about it, or yeah. you know, another follow up or another remake or redo or something like that. But like it, that the original one's always sitting in the background, and uh, it would be cool to see that uh, reimagining or the not the reimagining, but the. Um, you know the uh, just the, all the stories that uh, Gunner would be able to tell, or that he told, uh, because they're worth telling. It's the, yeah. it was a fascinating book. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, and and I think it is one that even if you're not a fan of the movies, if you're a fan of movies, that could be the draw. Yes, very good. Very good. I like that a lot. Um, so my next person I'm going to talk about is a Finnish person, a Finnish mm. man, uh, by the name of Simo, S-I-M-O, and it's Haya. I was trying to look at the pronunciation, and that's that's about as good. But it's H-A with an umlaut, Y, H-A with an umlaut. So there you go. Right? The umlaut are the two dots above, right? Mm-hmm. Um and his nickname was White Death, as given to him by the Russian army in 1939, <laughs> when the uh, when the uh, the White War uh, commenced. It was it was the Soviets trying to invade Finland. Holy shit! It, he was five three. Yeah, um, this dude was a total badass. Damn. Um, in in okay, so the the Red Army. And they come in to Finland because everything's going crazy, you know, in, in Europe at this time. Because, you, know, um, you know, Hitler's, you know, doing his thing in the south. And Finland and, um, and uh, the <clears throat> former Soviet Union, they shared a border. And they tried to evade. And for basically a not even... It, like uh, it wasn't even that long. It was like a hundred day war or something like that. He killed like five hundred and some people. That's like he killed like five people a day for this war. He was a sniper, and he and the temperatures during this time in this in this winter time was like between minus four and minus forty. The whole this whole thing because it's in Finland. It's mm. cold, and uh, he he. Uh, was a he would pack up snow around everything so like you wouldn't see the muzzle blast. He would chew on snow to make sure that he wouldn't breathe out any yeah. um, uh, uh, steam from his mouth, so he wouldn't be you know seen. He didn't use a scope; he just used iron sights, which was crazy, <laughs> like because he was afraid they would fog up uh, because it was so cold. It just nuts and like. Uh, his career ended whenever, like he got he he himself got shot, uh, because like they the the Russians were so like worried about this guy, like they were using what they call explosive bullets, so maybe a bullet with a charge in it, and mm-hmm. it took off like part of his jaw and cheek, um, but whenever he woke up, the that skirmish had ended, uh, but this dude was born in 1907 and died in 2004. He was 96 whenever he died, which is crazy. And like mm-hmm. in, in this hundred day period, he killed 500 people. Yeah. Which is like to think about is nuts, right? Like, yeah. Well, it says, um, I'm looking at something on business insider. So sure. Um, but at least 505 confirmed kills. And, and probably more based on, um, like they were like groups of snipers hitting a specific, specific target and they wouldn't, they wouldn't count those kills. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy what this guy did. Um, 
in that time and just and then he he retired to be like just some kind of farmer i think afterwards and and lived his life and like well, i mean somebody asked him years yeah. later is like why did you know how do you feel about that he's like it's just my job and i tried to do as best i could and well shit yeah you yeah did pretty he good did. bud the white death shit. and you know who i want to play this you know who mads mickelson he's that's right he's wait seriously <laughs> yes nice Absolutely, because he could pull that uh, Scandinavian feel off. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone who's familiar with a little wartime, yeah, like Catherine Bigelow directing this. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Because she can. I think if you go post, pre post, pre mid and post, uh, as far as his career goes, she could get that uh, angsty, you know, the the PTSD thing going on, like that. um, uh, I mean, she's a great director, and she can she brings the audience in and, and makes you feel it's not all guts and glamour and yeah. all that stuff and shooting. It's, it's more, it can affect you psychologically and stuff. Mm-hmm. But dude, the guy was 96 when he died. It's yeah. crazy. Like in, after getting like half his jaw blown off, like just a total, yeah, a total wow. badass. Um, yeah, it was called the winter war between, uh, uh, the Soviet union and them. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And there's a picture of him just in his jacket, like full winter garb, holding a rifle, just smiling for the camera, cheesing it up. Yeah, it's wild, craziness. What a fucking world. Uh, all right. So my last one, another movie about movies. Uh, the uh, um, I think we we kind of shit on the eighties maybe last week. Just a yes, kind of a kind of a, a uh, downer time in movies. Uh, there were some some really good ones uh, in the eighties, and uh, most of them were, in my opinion, most of them were made by John Hughes. So, I want to uh, tell the story of of John Hughes, the filmmaker, uh, and I want to bring back Emilio Estevez to play him uh, as a kind of. Uh, Homage slash, oh, homage, I do think yeah. they, uh, oh, you know, throw the glasses on him, and and I think they they can get a similar look going. Uh, and one of the people who I think is uh, a product of John Hughes as a filmmaker to direct, and I think that would be Judd Apatow. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, John Hughes was just he was interesting because he took. Um, as an adult, he took teenagers seriously where uh, other people, and obviously they've rounded out a lot more now, but in that time frame, they were just service for the plot. And he's, the guy's written over, I think, 90 movies, so they're not all amazing. Um, but the ones that he's known for really are without being... Quite good. Yeah, quite good. Without being like too sappy and over-dramatic but still taking serious, you know, the, the pratfalls of being a teenager. And well, he realized there was like an untapped market there. Yeah. For, I mean, it, and like who goes to movies? It's like. Exactly. Yeah. People with teenagers, you know, it's like, and if you can tap into that and hit some of those, uh, those ethos of like yeah. those teenage angst type things. Yeah. Like, and he did really well, especially in some of the more serious stuff like breakfast mm-hmm. club and yeah. pretty pink and stuff like that, where they're, they're hitting on things that are very like 
poignant to the to the teenage experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, he he had a weird. He had his kind of quirks. Uh, he shot a lot in Chicago because he wanted to get away from L.A. and get away from Hollywood and get away from the, studio the distractions. That um, I mean, he he worked for Paramount for years, so I don't know if it was necessarily studio pressure, but just take people away from the element where take people away from the opportunity opportunity for things other than the movie to consume people's lives, I guess. Yeah. Um, and well, it's crazy because like at, at that point in time, like in the eighties, mm-hmm. he's 20 years removed from, from like the big soundstage movies. Right. Right. And which is actually, that's closer than what we are to what they were. Right. That we're, you know, 30 yeah. years away from that point, which from is that point in time. Yeah. When you think about it, it's kind of crazy because like, their their mindset then as far as how to make a movie was not was is was still forming like in and trying to determine okay we're out of the studio and we could do these auteur movies like we've talked a little bit about this like the you know the um the godfathers and all that all that crap mm-hmm. you know where you're not on a sound stage or we do the canon stuff, which is crap, or we find this middle ground where it is uh, accessible, everyone right. can watch, and uh, it's it. They're still they're still learning how to make movies at that point. Yeah, you know, and they didn't find their sweet spot. And I think that in into like the two thousands, like is really for me, like is the golden age of movies. I'm on a tangent now. Sorry yeah. about that. No, it's okay. Um. But yeah, I think he he helped uh, facilitate that. Yeah, like, absolutely. Because he was able to. Movies don't have to reach a huge broad audience; they just have to scratch an itch. Yeah, and he he was um, he did that incredibly well, and he was uh, kind of a little quirky. I think um, I know there's stories of like he <laughs> his. Uh, I think there's one particular thing that um, people talk about is when he was interviewing cinematographers, he would ask them who their favorite guitarist is. Mm. And um, like he, he would kind of formulate an opinion based on that. Really? Yeah. And like he wrote Ferris Bueller in seven days. Um, Like there's, there's just these, like these kind of, um, these weird stories surrounding these just um, well-loved movies that I think uh, I think deserve to be explored, and hmm. um, I, I don't think it's necessarily rife with drama um, because I th- I think his life was pretty, uh, you know, he lived his life was about his work and his family, yeah. Uh, so you know maybe it doesn't have the flash and pizzazz in that way, but it's. Uh, He's, it would be he's like a filmmaker a, um, who do did who did things differently. Yeah, it would be like a well, maybe not like uh, the founder, maybe not that kind of, but that kind of feel to it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not not like as a slam piece, kind yeah. of what what that was, and it wasn't that much of a slam piece. More of an more of an exploration versus an expose. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, John Hughes, played by Emilio. 
directed mm-hmm. by Judd Apatow. Hmm. Very cool. Um, I'm going to do one that's real quiet, quick, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll do my last one. I'm sorry. I no, no worries. So many, but nope. I just nope. I was wrapped up in this thing. Uh, the Di- Dyatlov Pass um, incident. It's a. It's a. Um, uh, okay, so in, in 1959 in February, like nine people went out into the Ural Mountains, the northern Ural Mountains, and uh, the former the former Soviet Union, and uh, they <laughs> they all went to this like technical institute like it was back in the time when soviet union was like specialized and we were trying to make the super people right they were you know they they pick and choose who chose who were the the people they wanted to do certain things and like i don't it's hard to explain like who these people were because they were it it sounds like they were inept people going on this trip Mm-hmm. But they actually were very skilled mountaineers. And basically what happened was they went up into this hike, spent a couple of days like in like sub freezing weather. And they were a, they were used to it and they were experienced. Uh, but all nine of them ended up dying and in very mysterious ways. And nothing has really been explained. Um uh, remember that punch, uh, the punch farm guy we had on? Yes. Uh, on on yeah. Spanavoid. Punch and uh, ghost they, guy. Uh, yes. Uh, they, he did an episode on it. It's, it's a fascinating story. It's a, D-Y-A-T-L-O-V is the name, and it's that name, past incident, if you want to Google it. Um, it's a fascinating story. No one really knows. There's, like, people that were... Uh, their skulls were crushed in. Some people had like the rib cage crushed. Uh, some people had their eyes eaten out. They, no one really knows. There's a bunch of theories on what happened that there was like doing nuclear testing or maybe yeah. some kind of uh, sonic bomb testing, or there was some kind of Yeti or whatever. There's all kinds of theories. Uh, <clears throat> but I want to, I want to uh, envision by Eli Roth. Yeah. And you know he's not going to get a whole lot of big name actors. So I'm happy with this being just a bunch of random actors, you know, going out and doing it's pretty much a uh a horror movie type mm-hmm. thing, you know, just kind of like hostile. Uh but I it's a fascinating story. If you can t- look it up and uh check out the story. It's uh oh, remember that uh, uh the uh, Time Suck. The, yes. the podcast it, he did an episode on that oh, as really? well. So um yeah uh yeah i love that i gotta check that out i i really like that show to to go on a tangent i guess um i do really like that show i just don't always have the time no it's it's an hour the sucking it's 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 (laughs) yeah and he gets he he does a deep dive but not like so deep and he puts some humor in it so Mm -hmm. yeah time suck this is kind of a time suck style podcast tonight so um we're very quickly skimming over the uh but uh, but yeah, this is well. It it's it's aptly named because you could dive into this and like, uh, well, he just did an episode on the Donner Party, which mm-hmm. you know that's like a fascinating story. You want to get more information, like all you know is they ate each other. Yeah. Uh, but but this story itself is a really cool story. Um, but yeah, Eli Roth, he can do it. Hell and yeah. He can put a spin on the end and see what happens. Uh, my last one. Um, and this one is kind of a layup is the first one I thought of, um, is, uh, Audie Murphy. Um, 
He is uh, he was 16 years old whenever the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Signed up for the military or signed up. He had his sister do a uh, uh, affidavit and 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 forged or uh, yeah forged his age, you know, uh, faked his age so he, he could get into the army because he was rejected by the Navy and the Marines before that. Mm-hmm. So he got in the army, went to war. He won every military combat combat award for valor <laughs> for the U.S. Um, he also won French and Belgium. Uh, Awards for heroism. At one point, like at one point, he he held off an entire company of an entire German company for an hour single-handedly before he got reinforcement. Damn. I mean, this guy was like when you talk about badassery, this guy was it. Like he he killed a ton of Germans. He led his men like to places like. He, if you read like his Wikipedia entry, he pretty much single handedly won a war, like with all the stuff he did, and did a lot of with a lot of it while suffering from malaria. Like he would take out German pillboxes by himself or with a friend. Damn. He tried to uh, take out, or uh, a couple of guys were surrendering. Germans were surrendering to two of them, and they shot. They, it was like a fake surrender, and they shot him, his buddy. So he ended up going in there and just killing all of them. Um, uh, but after that, he got out and he became an actor and for 21 years and was <laughs> like and he actually acted in his own uh, movie, um, the movie Hel- to hell and back. And but he mostly did like um, Westerns, mm-hmm. uh, but it, like un- like crazily, he died at 46 uh, in a plane crash um, like in, ni- in the 1970s and like just like uh, weird just but like a full like huge life this guy lived and it's a u d i e murphy um and i'm thinking um like eddie murphy. I, what's that eddie murphy eddie murphy that's <laughs> to, right to play him <laughs> yes deliciously raw um <laughs> nice that needs to be his comeback on a on a separate note <laughs> right yes wearing a purple and red there you uh, go let us leather uh suit um but i want paul thomas anderson to go back in time and actually tackle some war movies and i want uh one of two guys i think tom holland is a little too young and too fresh faced but Mm -hmm. at 16 this guy was that and he was in the army yeah uh but the guy that i've now come to fall in love with is zach efron like i want him to be a big efron's great yeah yeah i really like him as actor so uh yeah that's what i want who i want yeah. Uh, but if you get a chance, do a deep dive into Audie Murphy. There is so much information on this guy. Like he won like four Purple Hearts for being in, like got sh- shot in the legs. Uh, like just just craziness what he did. Um, and like I said, just most just crazy decorated person. Uh, fascinating person. Fascinating. Yeah. Oh, I feel that that is such a cool story and that's definitely i mean to go <laughs> to go from being like in, incredibly decorated <laughs> to starring in your own movies like yeah it's pretty awesome and it was uh like he suffered really poor badly from ptsd oh, yeah. um and uh but also was an advocate for uh treating it and like uh there's a veterans hospital 
there's a VA hospital in, I think it's in San Diego named after him. Like he, nice. he realized awesome. what he was going through. He still suffered it. Like he slept with a gun underneath his pillow. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he suffered for sure yeah. because I mean, I can't even imagine, uh, but Same. was also an advocate for it and like had like, uh, roles changed and stuff for people to be able to be treated you know not just you know uh rub some dirt on it you'll be okay yeah actually yeah stop being a pussy yeah yeah but interesting dude yeah very i'm definitely gonna look more i the um i mean all great great suggestions and great picks but i definitely your last two are i'm really interested in (laughs) The, the pass because I maybe because I heard you guys with the uh punching ghost guy, yeah, and that's that seems like that is ripe for like Eli Roth, but then this guy sounds crazy, like interesting. So, yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm in, cool. All right, um, well, well who's gonna guys... do who's gonna do our like who's gonna do our who who will tell our story? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I uh I assume it'll be fan funded. Yes. So let's go guys. Yeah. Um anyways. Uh if you want to either tell our story or uh email us with the stories you want to tell, Brunfewpot at Gmail. Um let us know what are what are some uh some people or or great moments you would like to see uh in a biopic and of course if you saw um barfly or itania let us know what you thought yeah or anything and next week if you want to get in on early and tell us what your favorite animated villains are yes do it that's gonna be next week's top five Mm -hmm. so uh there you go that's what we got that's what we got for you coming up. And, uh, yeah, Bruinview Pod. We're, we're pretty much everywhere. Oh, Just yeah. Get in and touch with us. congratulations on Mavs 250. Thank you. And congratulations on uh, 200 for STV. I think did I tell you that last week. I think yeah, so. Even. Okay. No, just in, just in case. Um, and you guys' new venture into pools, poles, and poles. Poles. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna see how it turns out. I like it. Uh-huh. Oh man! All right. Well, uh, any final thoughts? Nope. I'm good. I All had right. fun. I love this. Topic. Me too. Same here. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Boy, 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 boy.